Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have Sonia White with us today again. I'm so happy you're back. Oh, it's good to be back, Pat. I've had to go through a few surgeries recently, and they have meant that I have not been able to use screens in any form, which in 2021 is rather difficult to do. So it's an absolute pleasure to be back here today. I just want to share a little bit about the podcast. I've gotten a lot of comments on the podcast. Just recently, a guy from the UK just shared his story and so encouraging. I, I got the emotion when people send in their comments, they're hearing people's stories, hearing how they went through divorce, all their struggles, and hearing people being open and vulnerable, being able to share their stories. And it brings hope to people. That mm. is so awesome to hear that this podcast makes a difference in many people's lives. It gives me energy to continue this journey <laughs> that I'm on. And I'm going to do this the rest of my life. It's so encouraging. It's so much fun. I love interviewing people and hearing their stories and knowing that these other people are listening and gaining something from it, getting wisdom. And a lot of times I share the story about the sailboat, uh, a sailboat that's sitting still in the middle of the ocean and not having any wind. You can't steer that sailboat. And uh, it becomes very difficult for a person in this situation as divorce is. It can be very difficult. You're sitting there, you have all these bad thoughts and uh, you don't get traction. You don't get forward momentum and you really need to start moving. That's one of the keys, I believe. Getting friends around you, getting people that can speak into your life, having a coach, having a mentor to help you get going. And I th truly think that divorce can become one of the keys or catalyst in your life to make your life an awesome life. Uh, and whoever thought that could be something that you would look back on after your divorce and think that was a pivotal point and not all of it was bad. Exactly. And not all of it was time wasted or just devastating for people. Although at the time... It can be. I was married for about 25 plus years, known him for even longer. So when my marriage ended, I lost a whole part of my life even. We'd grown yeah. up and grown through so many of the adult phases in life together, dealt with culturally. Our families did not approve of us getting married. And in those days, it was a really difficult thing. It meant that we financed our own wedding wow. and <laughs> I'm going to tell you, we were so worried because this was going to be one of the few times that both sets of parents met was at our wedding. Yeah. And we decided that the reception, we'd go very quickly through the reception and go immediately for our honeymoon in Kenya. So we didn't know what to do with our parents, but it turned out to be a really wonderful and beautiful day. And no, it wasn't typical. No, it wasn't the easiest, but I still treasure that. Yeah. And I think that when you can heal through a divorce, you can remember what was really great 
what were the memories that you still want to tell your children about? Like when they go through the photos and they say, is that you on your honeymoon? Yeah, I did used to look like that. I used to have, I had an 80s perm. Can you believe it? (laughs) Why would someone with thick hair think of doing an 80s perm? And I did, because that's what everybody did. And all of my wedding photos, everybody's like looking at this hair. Because you know what? I did it like two weeks before my wedding. Yeah, Please don't do that, ladies out <laughs> there. I want to see there. a picture of that. No, <laughs> I'll find one. All right, I will. I'll find one. And seriously, but the marriage ended. I found out a lot of things that I had not known about. The final act that I drew the line and said no was repeat infidelity. Yeah. And when that had happened enough times, that was the line. It was one of the most devastating things that I ever went through because, and I I don't know if this is for everybody, but it certainly was for me. When a a promise like that is broken and it hits at the core of you, it's not just, it's the promise that you would be kept safe by a person, the promise that you could trust this person, that they were your best friend, that they always had your back. They would not do anything ever to harm you. And then you find out something like that. Yes, you go through all of the work that was, what's my part in it? What's his part in it? We don't want to go blaming, oh, it's all just one person. But it is one of those situations in life that it takes you down to your knees And then just daily comments from people or being triggered by events around you, it will knock you to the floor. And how you come up from that is, I think that in your analogy for the boat, I must have been sinking underneath the boat. And my first job was to swim up to the surface and realize that the meanings I was making about infidelity that I am not valuable as a woman I am obviously ugly I am replaceable I am unworthy I don't deserve the kind of love that I believed I had a trustworthy relationship those meanings were the meanings that were actually killing me reliving the event by telling everybody about the story. When it comes to infidelity, it's one of those aspects of a divorce that you can get a lot of people on your side. He did this, he did that. Oh my God, no. All of those things. And you can get a lot of people to feed into an energy which at the time might feel good, but actually doesn't. Because for me, it didn't. Let me correct that. It didn't help at the end of the day that I'd had a bit of a bitch fest with my friends over a bottle of wine, that they were on my side. It didn't help when I went to sleep at night and thought about how did I get here? How did we get here? Or how do I deal with this pain? I cannot describe to you the actual physical pain in my chest that I carried around after that. Again, I cannot say this is for every woman or for every man or for every person who goes through this, but coming through it and growing from it and learning to love myself, because it took me a long time to realize I needed him to tell me all of the things about myself. I was looking to him for love. And when it didn't happen, 
it was really quite a devastating experience. Can you relate to this? I can relate 100%. I know how difficult it is having your best friend betray you. We had a lot of difficulties, and this is not about pointing fingers, but this is real. It's a lot of people are going through this. I've had people on both sides, the people that have been unfaithful on the podcast and shared about it and being open, but also people that have had their spouse be unfaithful. I was married over 20 years, and yeah, we were struggling, but infidelity really hits to the core, and it's very difficult to walk through, and it took me a long time to heal and continue to go on in my life. Yeah, it took me years with help. I had coaches, I had different kinds of therapies, including things like EMDR, because I went into a traumatic state from it. And a lot of people, when they find out news like this, that is as devastating as this, go into a trauma phase. And as soon as you feel unsafe, you go to that part of the brain that takes over, giving you only fight, flight, or fear. Yeah. It's only giving you emotions like anger, desire for revenge, violence, and containing jealousy, of course. These kinds of energies within you have the potential to create so much harm because I've got clients who key cars, who destroy wardrobes, and just like you see it in the movies, are they... Or they do the other thing to fill in that gap that's in your chest and in your gut area. You have drugs. It's going out and then doing the same thing, promiscuous behavior as a revenge tactic or just as a form of human contact. I'm not saying any of those are right or wrong. They're just a human being's attempt to deal with what could be a traumatic situation and what are these powerful emotions. You bring it in on yourself. You start eating things that are wrong for you in order. And then we're being fed into that a lot as well by the media that and the movies, the idea that revenge is a justified action. And that was something that really was a huge lesson for me, learning about the archetypes in my mind. Learning about the victim, we all have one. Learning about the inner judge, the inner critic, and then learning about the villain. I didn't know these words at the beginning of my divorce journey. I didn't really study them. But they were running the show when I was under stress, when I felt unsafe. Yeah. When I, and unsafe, it's such a huge word. It also means I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. Yeah. Not enough. It all kind of fig- triggers back into any kind of I'm not safe. And we sometimes become a version of ourselves that you don't recognize. For me, yeah. in, in the divorce initially, because it was so much friction in the divorce, there was a lot of fear. And I, I think I contributed to that. I responded in a way that was not very helpful. I got a very aggressive lawyer. And I know that women in particular, if they're fearful, especially when it comes to about their children, and Um, even though I withdrew the full custody after three weeks, I fired my lawyer and got a different lawyer. In my situation, the fear was that 
because of we were expats he was doing the money and in some of the countries i was not allowed to work but the agreement had been that i would be the stable homemaker for yeah. our children at the time and i was totally devoted and happy to do that but then when the marriage ended i hold on a second i i haven't actually worked outside of my home yeah or voluntary work i hadn't worked for 20 years i thanked god that i had a degree and my degree is in chemical engineering but because every time i when you start to learn about coaching and you decide you want to get coaching qualifications they said have you got a degree yeah how and thank goodness i do so i make sure my children have a degree so any fear financial fear the fear that your children will be taken from you yeah. or the relationship will be twisted in such a way that they don't love you anymore through the words of your former partner the fear that you may never find somebody else again and sometimes just fear it doesn't necessarily mean it's just primal that whenever you go into a shock and one of the first things when you talk about love that's such a huge topic and i don't know that i could ever cover it in 30 minutes but one of the things that i think is so important in getting that boat moving is learning ways to soothe that system in your body that's got you in anxiety and has got you in fear mode and got you in stress mode when there are difficult scenarios happening but they're not necessarily tigers out to kill you does that make sense yeah now when you went through this divorce and fear how did you handle it i exploded i remember in a mall in singapore yelling into a phone at my ex in the public part of the mall and people yeah. staring at me and i did not care yeah that is how angry i was i understood what a towering rage is i am not a tall lady i didn't understand that phrase and would i normally do that no but i lost it i was going through whatever screaming and yelling i just whatever do you know but i'm not going to judge myself for that i am not going to judge myself as a bad person because i didn't have the capacities and the skills to control that degree of anger how long did it take you to start handling that and <laughs> i think it's going to be for life pad don't make me cross with you <laughs> no but it's like yeah i know um, you you're a long past that now and was it like epiphanies along the road that kind of like yeah, helped you it was or was it people work. that spoke into your life or what was it that helped you become aware so my epiphany moment was when I stopped the car, just dropped my children off at school. All I was able to do at that point was basically anything that was to do with my children, I did it. And I I dropped them off, I'd go home and I'd just collapse. But then I would be ready for dinner and swimming and all of the things that they did. But I remember driving home and I was just I was sobbing so much and I stopped the car on the side of the road looking at beautiful straight teak trees and realizing that i just did not want to live this way any longer i never wanted this experience of a divorce to happen to me again 
And I needed to know what I needed to do to bring yeah. my children through this. I wasn't saying he was not capable of being a partner to that, but I wanted to take the lead so that I knew. And that was a huge epiphany moment for me. How long time past the initial divorce was that? I must have been a few months into the separation phase. I reckon that if I look back at it, that the initial fear had moved down enough. And that, I think, is the key. Until you have soothed away the fear and created a modicum of safety, And for that, I needed strategies. And I already had a strong meditation practice. I am safe. I do have enough breath. There is enough money in the bank account. Whatever it was that I needed, I am safe. And starting to take control of that so that when I'm afraid, you need to know what is your pathway. When I am afraid, I will do this. I will become angry because I want to make myself bigger and stronger and maybe more threatening or whatever. If you go back to primal times, I become angry. But that anger has its points. And I can stop it. I can choose to say anger is with me. In the words of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk, anger is with me, but I'm not anger. And anger will go away. And so I learned practices of don't email if you're angry. Exactly. That's what I um, had to learn the hard way because uh, I, I responded to emails. Yeah. <laughs> but then actually pretty early on because my counselor, she told me, it's like, oh. why don't you just uh, pause and write the emails, but don't send them for 24 hours and then reread them before you send them. And then so many times I would write an email and I'll reluctantly wait and send it until next day. And then I reread it. Okay, I'm not going to send this email. You and can't. Then maybe yeah. pick up points and then, okay, I'm going to send this instead. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, when you're in fear, you have all these thoughts, these emotions uh, when it's just happening. And it's not reality a lot of times. It's kind of like d- just running on these emotions and anger and fear. It's all running on past stories. When you went through this, how did you become aware about the fear and how to handle the fear? And did you have other people speaking into your life or did you figure this out yourself? I I must have read or something that I remembered was to actually sit and observe the anger. So that's what I started to do. Yeah. Uh, rather than get caught along with the story in the sense that I'm taking it personally, what he was saying or not saying and all of that. And I did it in the third person because I found that didn't trigger me. I am angry. I am upset. I am having this done to me. I literally used to sit afterwards and write, Sonia had a difficult phone conversation with her former partner. Now, when I do that, I'm automatically a little bit more stepping away, almost as if I'm the director of the Sonia former partner movie. (laughs) And I'm watching and I'm noticing, oh, okay. So, for example, Sonia's already tired and then she gets triggered by a comment from something on the television that reminds her about infidelity and then she picks up the phone and blah blah and i was literally watching it happen 
And I noticed it and I noticed it and I noticed it wasn't completely instantaneous, although it was super, super fast. But there's also a choice point. And as soon as I realized I'm in anger again, there I go. There's that energy that's coming up inside of me. There's those fists and there's that face. I actually looked at my face in the mirror when I'm angry. It's not a pretty face. And these are just things that I did. And I remembered that was not, relax, let it go, breathe. Remember Thich Nhat Hanh's phrase, put down the phone, say you'll get back to this conversation and go and do this. Take care of you. That was my most important lesson. Because if I am angry, I am afraid. If I am afraid, I need to be taken care of. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to soothe myself and take care of whatever is vulnerable. Then you go back to the inner child work and all of that. It's all wonderful. It's all amazing. But sometimes you've got to do that as you are living life rather than sitting in a retreat or at your journal. That Those are wonderful. Was I good at it at the beginning? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'd love but to hear more. But the intention was good, was I'd there. love to hear more about that process because a lot of people, they, you know, like coaches and mentors and people, they say these words like self-care. But what actually is self-care? I think it's very important to take care of yourself in this process. Probably one of the most important things to start, another word is loving yourself. What is loving yourself? It's like for many people that hear that, it's probably just words. But in my relationship, I lost myself in so many ways. I stopped doing the things that I loved to do because the family unit became, in a way, too important. Mm. Too much focus on that and not enough on what I love to do. I spent so much time both working, providing, being part of the family, hanging out with the family. But my relationship with my friends was in the end gone. I used to have a lot of friends, but they became less and less part of my life. I think it's more me that I lost myself in the relationship. I stopped playing tennis. I stopped playing golf because it took too much time. And those are the things I picked up. And I love playing tennis. I think it's very important to refocus and and figure out what do you love to do? Can you speak into that? What is self-care? For me, self-care is what you've just said, loving kindness and forgiveness. And under forgiveness, this is the decision that you make to let go of grudges, let go of resentments, let go of the past for your own peace. The part where I think is the most loving, and I love to talk to you about forgiveness another time, is self-forgiveness. Oh, there I go being angry again. Yeah. Let me forgive myself for falling into that. Because at the end of the day, I feel crap about myself at the end of the day. You know, when you write in your gratitude journal, three things I'm grateful for and three things I wish I'd done better. I never had three during the beginning of my divorce. The list was just, it was repetitive, but it was not short. And so at the end of the day, oh, I behaved that way. Oh, I let my children see me angry. Oh, and I just went, 
But and at the same time, you want to make decisions. But for us also, let's just forgive myself for that. Let's yeah. just love myself because you were trying. Your intent was there. You could do better. Now go do better. Rather than making mistakes, we're not allowed to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that I'm a useless human being. It doesn't mean that all my spiritual practices are for nothing because there I go being angry again. I really do dislike it when people judge others in that way, by the way, because it's too simplistic. Yeah. If your intention is there, if you're trying, and remember you always have do-overs. So forgiving yourself is a huge self-care practice. How did uh, you move through your divorce and forgiving your ex-husband? Oh, I didn't do spouse. it by any easy way. Forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. No. It's not about, well, if I'm far away from him, then I don't need to see him. It's knowing that when his name pops up on my phone or something happens that I'm no longer triggered. And that is a choice. There I go, feeling that pain. Let me take care of myself first. Whenever we feel anger, whenever we feel pain or unsafe, where is your attention? Out there. And it's usually single-pointed focus. If you're in fear, you're single. But you're out there. And who have you abandoned? Yourself. But uh, and I'm just curious a little bit about your process of forgiveness so when you went through the divorce and you had infidelity in this how long did it take you to walk through and starting realizing that you were holding on to this unforgiveness and how did you move through that how did you start kind of like forgiving for real and when did you feel how long did it take you to move through this process when you knew okay I have truly forgiven your ex-husband for that. The first step is to be willing. Yeah. And if you're not willing, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. So any trite comment or God says I need to forgive or I'm going to turn the other cheek and be the spiritually noble one is not even, there's no traction with just words like that. You are going to be willing to take on forgiveness. So that means challenging the defenses that you have in your own system. He is wrong for what he did. That doesn't mean I condone what he did. I would not do what he did. No, but how long uh, did it take you to, years, to come to that point? Years, but it's not literally nothing and then years. Situations happen that give you another opportunity to forgive. I'm not very good at time. No, that's about right. a year when I thought, whoa, I haven't thought about him for an hour. Oh, I haven't thought about him all day. And that was a huge moment for me. The yeah. ruminative thinking, the vengeful thinking, the what is he doing with her now thinking, all of that had just disappeared. Not because I had squashed it. Not because I hadn't seen him for all of that time. I don't mean to sound evasive, but there is so many things I did. But the first was to be willing. Yeah. And the first was to also just be prepared to forgive this. Absolutely. I, I couldn't forgive everything. Yeah. You took it in steps. I can forgive this. Yeah. 
And so let me forgive that. And I had certain practice like the Ho'oponopono practice that I think we discussed and mantras. I just choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive because it's not about him. And letting go of this idea that I was ever going to get an apology, letting go of the idea that he was going to fall out of love with her and remember me and, oh, my gosh, I was so wrong. For a while, I wanted that. I wanted it to be like that. You have to let go of always looking outside of yourself for your well-being and learning what you need for your well-being. Some of us who are extroverts, we need our friends. Introverts, we need fewer friends. So there's no fixed number of friends, but we do need connection. Some of us physical is going to work. Others reading. Some of us, it's golf. Others of us, it's yoga. Some of us like to cook great food. Others of us, we find what brings us the joy in our life or the peace in our life or the sense of fulfillment in our life. So that at the end of the day, when you're doing your gratitude, you can say, I'm fulfilled. I did this today. I did good today. And and when I'm angry and when I'm spending all my day ruminating and all of that, which is normal, by the way, in trauma, it's not a failure of you as a human being. This is your brain trying to process information with nothing nothing to, to latch onto. That is normal and it is human. So don't feel that you're not reacting. Divorce is up there on the trauma scale. It's like the third of the, and depending on how your divorce goes, when infidelity comes into it, you're up there. Yeah. I, even if you are the perpetrator or if you are the receiving end of it, either way, it's not an easy situation to be in. When it comes to forgiveness, I keep talking about that because for me, it was definitely one of the keys for me to go on. I have a fairly easy time to forgive. It's definitely been one one of my strengths, but it took me a journey to go through this Mm. forgiveness. For me, mourning took a long time. Mm. I've described that before because my dad died way too early. He died over 20 years ago and he was my best friend. And then he got cancer and died in a very short amount of time. And that was a, a very difficult time, but it was an ending. And I'm a Christian. I believe I, I'm going to see him again. But with a, a divorce, with a lot of strife and a lot of things going on constantly, it's been like a constant mourning mm-hmm. for a long time. I've gone through it now, but it's taken years to kind of like process and forgive and go on. Mm. Did you have to deal with that? And do you have an easy time to forgive? I know a lot of people have a very difficult time to forgive and move through this. And I'm kind of talking about it a lot because I know a lot of people are dealing with this exact issue. Easy. No, I don't think so. I don't think I did find it easy at the beginning to forgive. I understood the theory of it. Yeah. It made sense to me. And I wanted to do it. But sometimes the flooding of information and even more facts, I was the last person to know anything. It was more than I can handle. Yeah. And it was then easy to fall prey to the desires for revenge. It wasn't revenge as much as justice. And a lot of the time that's what happens. You were unfaithful. You are not a good father. This is not what I thought, by the way. This is, I'm just saying, you're not a good father, so I am going to fight for sole custody of the children. 
And it is a painful situation. It is devastating a situation to deal with. And it's hard to be able to separate what is between the two of you in a relationship and what you're dealing with your children. Yeah. Uh, Did you have people in your life that was a negative impact on you to continue to forgive? Because I've had that. I've had people cut out. And I know many other people that I interviewed realized that they had people that are speaking into their life and like wanting you to go down this negative spiral. Is yeah, that something that you think had to that, deal with? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I lost a lot of my friends for that reason. Luckily, I kept my family. At the end of the day, if I'm holding on to the idea that I am a good human being doing the best I can, well, so is he. Yeah. That can be hard to realize that we are, there is humility. There's a lot of pride that gets caught up in it as well, but the humility of accepting that I have made my mistakes and made my errors and I want to be forgiven and move forward. I don't want to be defined as that angry person or whatever it was in the not best of my times and therefore extending that to him. And that was what took stage phases, do you know? As I healed the pain, then the phases and, and whatever. We'll get triggered as our children grow and all of those things, but it becomes less and less the more you realize, I needed to pray. I needed to have faith that this was going to work out for the good. And even if I didn't understand, I yeah. did know that this was the best thing that I could do at the time. I had the support of coaches and therapies that I felt I needed to deal with trauma. I had my yoga practice, which includes a meditation practice. It was actually utilizing the tools. And when I came off balance, when I felt those energies of unforgiveness in me, in any area, doesn't have to be as big as that one. Sometimes you can forgive in something that's a little less charged. It becomes easier to do. You yeah. can let go of the resentment. It doesn't mean you're weak. You can let go of, doesn't mean that you need to give in and have a, a really bad divorce, financial settlement and things like that. Of course not. You can make a stand. But at the same time, you're letting go of all of that energy in your brain that you're using on this cycle that could keep you stuck forever. But you honor the pain. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I remember from our previous podcast that you shared very powerfully about a lot of people in divorce, including myself, have these... Uh, accusations towards your former spouse and to let go of those and it's like a, a part of a forgiveness process and we're going towards the end of the podcast but if you have any ending thoughts about that particular subject how to deal with that for the listeners that are just entering into divorce or just dealing with these type of things how do you deal with that and how is the best way to handle that i had a visualization that i did when I was being overwhelmed by all these justifications and accusations and you should do this because he's done that and all of that it was a, a practice which I was taught in conscious uncoupling, but it's, it's an ancient one anyway, which was literally to start to breathe down into your hips 
away from your head area and just imagine a lake. And that lake is wide and that lake is large and that lake is smooth and just sit in the lake. And that lake is in, in essence the highest part of who you are as a human being. That lake is your connection to the divine. That lake is not going to get ruffled by all of that turbulence that's going on up there. And when I could connect to that energy and that kind of courage and that resilience and that love, then I can look again at a situation. And only until I'm standing in that highest self. So it took time, but I can do this in seconds. Now just connect to my center, connect to my God. What it, The words, the definition of it doesn't matter, but that is what I do. Yeah. And then remembering who I truly am and who we are. You would, yeah. you would probably call it who you are as a child of God. Who I am is love. This podcast is for any faith. It's like it's for anybody. Mm. And uh, my belief is my belief. My goal with the podcast is to bring hope to people, to bring them through this in a good way. And just yeah. by hearing people's stories, like your story about the infidelity, about how you reacted, it's going to help somebody that's listening right now, kind of like bring hope. There is a hope after this, because when you're in it, it is so difficult to see the process, even if you're taking steps. Initially, the first year, I didn't feel that this sailboat was moving. It was like, now when I'm looking back five years later, I see, wow, what mm -hmm. a process I made. But when you're in, the, in it, it is so difficult. To, you've, I didn't feel like I wasn't making any process, even though I was taking a step. I had a counselor, I had a coach, I had a mentor. But the first year, it was like a fog. It was like... It's so difficult to describe it for somebody that hasn't been through it. But then when you look back at it now, wow, look at all these steps I took and what a different person I am now than I was then. Mm. So I totally want to connect, reiterate what you just said. I want to say, but we are making steps and trying to do it all in one day or a month or a year. It's asking a lot of you. But until that past has been cleared and the healing has happened, and usually that happens in real time, although sometimes that can be a lot faster, you are making progress. So if at the end of the day you can write into your book, I smiled at someone today. Yeah. It doesn't that is there you go there's you putting your eyes on someone else and showing love when you don't feel love when you don't even have the energy for love but you smiled at somebody today yeah that's good we are not taught to actually honor the things that we did do right we and the forgiveness part comes in yeah i'm going to forgive that i know i can do better but i wasn't taught not to be angry. I wasn't taught how to speak with people in difficult conversations. I wasn't taught how to handle this. How would I know how to handle that kind of rage? I've never had it. 
I've never been jealous. I married the first person who asked me out. I didn't understand what those songs about heartbreak even meant until it happened to me. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, that may sound naive and whatever and unrealistic for a lot of people, but you don't know what can take you over when you go through a divorce until it happens to you. Yeah. So cut yourself a lot of slack and love yourself because you got to get yourself credit for showing up. you got to give yourself credit for trying in the yeah. face of everything you're dealing with. And that voice in our head, the judge, he's really hard. You should do better. You should know. Fa- yeah, I told you, there you go. You messed it up again. We all know that voice. It's been uncontrolled in our lives for t- so long. But even understanding the origin of that voice and the purpose of that voice can be incredibly healing. But that would be another conversation. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll do more here whenever you get your doctor to prove to do some more podcasts. And, uh, well, I can do podcasts as long as I wear the glasses. Yeah, <laughs> this has thing. been so awesome to reconnect again. And uh, I get so many comments for the podcast and about your podcast episodes in the past. And I just wanted to remind the listeners that you are a divorce coach. You coach people through the process of divorce, how to deal with it. You coach mainly women. And I'm going to put the information in the description below to find you. If you do want an awesome coach, definitely reach out to Sonia. She can help you and make this process shorter too. Because if you don't have somebody to help guide you, this is going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to go through this process in a healthy way. I hear so many people that years later hasn't dealt with the issues of divorce Mm. and are still in the middle of it. And a lot of times Mm. in a downward spiral. It's Mm. not even level. It's going continuously downward spiral in a very uh, bad spot. So I just want to encourage you, get somebody to help you out. Sonia is a wonderful person. I can help you out. Uh, You will have all the information below. And uh, thank you all listeners that are listening. This is so encouraging when you send a message to me. You can send a message via the app, the Anchor app. You can have a voice message to send. Just let me know what you like, what you don't like how I can make it better, uh, or if you want help, reach out and I can direct you in the right direction. And you can also send an email to rockinglifepodcast at gmail.com with your comments, questions, or if you want to bring up a subject that we haven't talked about, please send it to us. So thank you again, Sonia, for this time. And I look forward to the next episode where we figure out what we're going to do. Yes. And if anyone does want to reach out to me, I'm sure Pat can give you the connection. Just go to my site. And I, if there's anything I can do to help them, I'm here. So take care, Pat.